Well, hello, everyone. Hey, we are here, and I do thank you for joining me on today's edition of New Hope Radio, WARV New Hope Podcast, the Hope Club Podcast. That's where you can get our messages on demand anytime. Just go to the Hope Club, and we'll be there. And we thank you for listening live, too, on 1590 AM, 92.7 FM, Glad to be here with you every day, Monday through Friday, Saturday at 3 as well. Opening up our chat room here on Facebook, New Hope Radio. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us that way. Doreen is already checking in. Glad of that. Hey, our topic today, we're going to continue with uh, what we started yesterday. God's public enemy number one. Public enemy number one. You know what that is? That's the devil himself. And we started talking about the devil. We started asking the question, who is the devil? Who is Satan? And, uh, you know, what does he do? That's what we want to find out. And we're learning about that because we need to know our enemy. That's for sure. You need to know. That's a, a number one battle strategy. You need to know your enemy. And that's what we're discussing here on New Hope Radio. Okay, here's a few things we talked about so far. A very quick review from yesterday. We noted that Satan likes to incite people to do things, or at least he tries to. Remember, he incited David to number his army after God told him not to. He uh, had his way with Job, did everything he could except kill him, took his family, took his health, took his possessions, but God said, don't kill him. He tried to incite Jesus to betray his father. That didn't work. But he did have, find success with Judas. And he indwelt Judas and got him to betray the Lord. And you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. He got them to lie, say that they gave so much, but in reality they really didn't give what they said they did. And the problem wasn't in what they gave. is just the fact that they lied about it. So Satan, you know, he does his work. And we noted... A few things about him yesterday. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's a habitual sinner, and he gets people to sin. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's our adversary. But with all of those bad qualities, it's good to know, as we saw with Job, God said to him, all that Job has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan's power is limited. Yeah, he can do a lot, but it's still limited, okay? He shows up under different names in Scripture. Satan, which means adversary. Devil, which means slanderer. He was Lucifer in the beginning, star of the morning. Beelzebul, named after Baal, the false god. Belial, lord of the forest. He's also called the evil one, the tempter, the prince of this world. The god of this age. The prince of the power of the air, the accuser of the brethren. He's represented by the serpent, the dragon, an angel of light. That's a good study sometime, you know, the angel of light. That is something that looks good, but it's bad. The angel of light looks like it's coming in righteousness, but it's not. It has an appearance of light, but it is evil. It's exactly what it is. Now we're going to continue, and let's take a look at what Satan does. What is the work of Satan? 
Now, Satan has four targets in mind. You know that? He's got number one, the redemptive work of Christ. Target number one. His antagonism to Christ was predicted way back, you know, when the Bible opened up, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and the Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity, that means, you know, strife or warfare, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he will bruise you on the head, that speaks of the Lord Jesus, and you will bruise him on the heel. That's a picture of Christ dying in his humanity. But he does get the ultimate victory. So Satan is always going to try to stop Christ from redeeming mankind. That's why he met Jesus in the wilderness. And in that fourfold or that threefold temptation in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, tried to get Jesus to betray his father. and But Jesus wouldn't fall for it. That's what I like about the Lord. His eyes are, here it is. His eyes are so focused on God, the devil couldn't have his way. You know, that'll work for us. You get your eyes so focused on God, and the devil will not have his way with you. So, he even used others to stop the redemptive work of Christ. Matthew chapter 2, remember King Herod? Oh yeah, he slew all the male babies in Bethlehem hoping to kill Jesus. Somebody said, hey, King Herod, what? King's been born in Bethlehem. I'm king. I'm the only king around here. Well, I don't know. This baby's going to be a king. Oh, yeah? Sent his soldiers. They killed all the babies, trying to stop the Messiah. Matthew 16, he influenced Peter to try to stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem. Remember that? No, Master, you can't go. They're going to kill you. Jesus said, listen, your mind is set on the things of man, not the things of God. Jesus knew where he had to go and what he had to do. He never forgot that. See, he never lost fight of his, sight of his mission. Imagine if more Christians, number one, knew their mission, and then number two, never lost sight of their mission. Oh, things would be so much better. In John 13, 27 he succeeded in getting Judas to betray the Lord. He thought, okay, I got one now. I'm going to get this guy Judas, right? I'm going to get him to betray Jesus, and they're going to kill him. They're going to kill Jesus. I'm going to stop the redemptive work. See, here's the point. Satan, he seeks to use believers as well as unbelievers to carry out his plan. He'll use anybody. Hear it. He'll use anybody that he thinks he can get a foothold with. That's all. If he can get a foothold with somebody, oh yeah, a little toe grab, he'll use them. That's why James says, don't even give a little space to the devil. So all he needs is a little bit. So he not, his target number one, the redemptive work of Christ. Target number two, the nations of the world. Because he's a deceiver of the whole world. In Revelation 12, verse 9. Think about it. The whole world is his target. And one day, he's going to gather all the nations together to battle against Christ in the battle of Armageddon. Oh, he thinks he's got a strong army. Watch, he's going to be, watch all these soldiers I got. I got soldiers from all the countries. And we're going to attack Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus is going to come out of nowhere and like, poof. One shot. 
They're all gone. The breath of his mouth. They're all gone. His third target is to unbelievers. See, he not only goes after believers, people of God, because he hates God and he hates God's people, but he also goes after people that don't know God. Why? Because he wants to stop them from knowing God. He blinds the mind of the unbeliever, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, he said, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That means those who are lost, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And this is why, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan wants to keep people blinded. You know people like that? I do. I got people I've been witnessing to for years. And you know, I just can't break through. I can't break through. They just, they got a wall up when it comes to spiritual things. And is that the work of the devil? Probably. But why is it then that the spirit can get through some, but not others? You ever wonder that? I do. My conclusion is the spirit can break through to those that want to know. I really believe if somebody wants to know truth, God will reveal it. That if somebody is an unbeliever and they say, you know, I'm not a believer, but I'm going to, I'll tell you this. God, if you're real, prove yourself to me. And I believe if they can get themselves to that place, they will. God will reveal himself. But there's got to be a wanting, a desire, an openness to God, an invitation, so to speak. And God will. But if not, the mind stays veiled. You know what else he does? He steals the word from the heart after it's been preached. Remember that parable Jesus told in Matthew 13? The parable of the sower? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, it's because the evil one, he comes and he snatches it away. (laughs) He takes it right out of the heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And Jesus is talking about hard-hearted people that listen to the word of God, but it just bounces off. It doesn't go in. Their heart is not good soil where the seed goes into the soil and grows. No, their heart is like a rock. It's like a road. You know, you sow seed on the road, right? And the birds come and eat the seed. The hard ground he's talking about here, that's the hard path between the rows on the farm. You know, the farmer walks that path all day, every day, and it gets really hard. And then when the seed falls on it, it can't penetrate. So the birds of the air come and eat the seed. He's saying that's like what the devil does. The devil comes and takes the seed right out of your heart because your heart wasn't something that would, oh, here it comes, receive it. That's all. Doreen said some people want to stay in their unsafe state. You know what? It's true. It's true, Doreen. They want to stay there. They think it's like the pig likes the mud. They're comfortable there. The sinner is comfortable in sin. And you pray that one day they realize, you know what? That's not comfort at all. 
You don't know comfort until you've been delivered from sin. But people get, do get used to that, don't they? Well, his fourth target, his work to unbelievers to tempt them to lie. Not only does he try to get unbelievers not to believe, but he wants to get them to be liars as well. Avoid the truth. You know what lying does? Lying, people think, creates a way out, an escape. That's what they think. Oh, this is an escape. It works. Peter, remember, let's get back to Ananias and Sapphira. They said that they, they sold some land, and they said they gave all the money, but they lied. They kept back some of it. They could have kept back some of it and said, yeah, yeah, we gave half. But they lied because they wanted to put on a good show. And Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Oh, he knew. That's the devil. That was the work of the devil. Satan filled your heart and you lied to God. You kept back some of the money. It was yours. You could have kept it. You could have gave a penny. You could have gave nothing. We don't care. But you lied about how much you gave. And now the feet of those that bury you are at the door. <laughs> you had a heart attack. Dead. Dead as a doornail. Then his wife showed up. Peter said, Hey, did you you sold the land? Yeah, it was good. You said you gave all the money. Oh yeah, all of it right there. He said, Let me tell you something, honey. The feet of the people that buried your husband, they're back. And now they're gonna bury you. <laughs> she went down. Father account. They buried her. Lying. See, that's what God thinks of lying. Better to tell the truth and take the consequences than lie and make yourself look like something that you're not. Okay? One one little kid said, Oh, I know what a lie is. It's a very present help in trouble. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what else he does? He accuses and slanders. He attacks Christians. He he tries to get believers to think less of themselves. Are you letting him do that with you? Are you a follower of Christ today and you're letting the devil cause you to think less of you? He's an accuser. He gets you to look at your life and demoralize you and make you feel insignificant and unworthy. Those negative, fiery dots that Paul said, put on the armor of God. You've got to protect yourself. He's the accuser of the brethren. And you know, there's going to come a time he's thrown down to the earth and he's really going to be hot, Revelation 12. But what he does, he accuses us, the Bible says, day and night before God. What are a tattletale, a rat fink. He's got nothing better to do than, than bring your sins to God. But thankfully we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's the shed blood of Christ that covered our sins. That's what took away our guilt. Are we guilty? Yeah. But Christ paid the price for our guilt. So we're no longer guilty. We can go forward. We can live with our heads held up high. You know what else he does? He detains the work of God. Oh, he can frustrate us on the good that we want to do. Paul, Paul said, 
to the Thessalonians, we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, more than once. But Satan hindered us. Now, I don't know exactly what Satan did, but, you know, he found a way to hinder the apostle from getting to Thessalonica. Somehow, some way. Maybe the plane was grounded. I don't know. Maybe the ship sank. I don't know. Maybe the helicopter wasn't working. Whatever it was, the camel died. Couldn't get there. Satan has a way of getting in front of us when we want to do something for God. Yeah, Doreen said, she's the only one on there today? Where is everybody? Satan wants us to believe that we can't be forgiven. Hey, you know, there are some people, they think they've crossed the line. They're thinking, I'm too far gone. Oh, I crossed the line. Let me tell you, as long as you're alive, there's hope. Once you're dead, there's no hope. But if you're alive, there's hope. There's hope of forgiveness. All you do is turn to the Lord. He died for the sins of the whole world. That includes you and me and everybody else. So that's why all you've got to do is turn and cash in on the forgiveness that he offers. You know, another thing, we know that Satan can't be everywhere present like God can. So you know what he does? He employs demons. Man, he's got his own employees. And that's why Paul knew it. And he reminds us, he said, our struggle, you know, the battles that we have in life, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But if you look beyond the veil, right? He said, no, our struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's saying there's a demonic army out there. We can't see them. Oh, but they're doing their work. Isn't it good we can't see into the atmosphere? <laughs> Probably go under the bed and never come out. Lock yourself in the closet. That's it. I'm not coming out. But there are demonic forces that are, that are at work in the atmosphere. And we have to be aware of them. Don't be consumed with them. Know that if you've got the Holy Spirit, you're protected. But what they do is they try to influence people. They try to influence God's people and unbelievers as well. It doesn't matter. They're, they're in the influencing business. They're persuaders. And they put thoughts in your head. And you have to know how to recognize good thoughts from bad thoughts. They tempt people to immorality. To be immoral. Where does that come from? Adultery. Fornication. Where does all that stuff come from? That's why we've got to be really sharp. You know what Paul said to couples that were married? He said, listen, stop def depriving one another. He's talking about a sexual relationship. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then, he said, come together again. Why? So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. See, the con keep your relationship conjugal, conjugal. Keep your conjugal obligations in marriage. You have to do that. That's what keeps the marriage strong. If not, you're tempted. And you go outside of marriage. And you enter into immorality. And you know what's wrong with that sin? That's one of the bad ones. You know why? 
because it's a sin against the soul. A sexual sin is a sin against your innermost being. Paul said other sins are sins against the body. Oh, but sexual sin? That's a sin against the soul. That's where your whole inner being begins to corrode and corrupt. And it'll rot. And it'll decay. That's why you see all these pedophiles and all these people in pornography. They're rotting on the inside. They're decaying. And it doesn't matter what they get away with on the earth. They will not get away with it in eternity. It seems like the the sexual revolution has overtaken the country, overtaken the world. But I'll tell you something. Nothing comes without a price. And there is a price that will be paid. Satan plants unbelievers against amidst believers. You know, he can't leave us alone, right? He's got to take unbelievers and stick them right where the believers are. And we know that because Jesus told a parable in Matthew 13 about the wheat and the tares. Remember that? That good wheat was growing, but an enemy came and sowed tares, false wheat, among the good wheat, and they were growing together. And the workers on the farm said, you want us to go pull up the tears? The farmer said, no, let it go. Let them grow together. You might pull out the good wheat. And you know, Jesus said at the end of the age, he'll send the angels and they'll separate them. Oh yeah. They'll separate the good wheat from the fake wheat. The believers from the unbelievers. So right now, like we have to live with it. We have to live in the midst of it. It's just the way it is. Don't get discouraged. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged because everybody around you is against God. That's the tears. Just got to live with it. Be strong wheat. Satan incites persecutions against Christians. That's why Jesus said, don't fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to cast some of you into prison so that you'll be tested. And you'll have tribulation for 10 days, but be faithful until death. Wow. Until death. And I'll give you the crown of life. Some people die for their faith. And that's the way it is. There are martyrs in the world. And I'm going to tell you something. Martyrs will get a crown in heaven. You'll be remembered as someone. You'll be a hero in heaven. Someone that gave it all. That's what you'll be. You'll be known as someone that didn't run, but you gave it all. We have to remember that. See, this is why we have to hear the Word of God every day. This is why you got to tune into Christian radio, WARV, New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast. You can get it anytime. You know, you hook up your phone to your Bluetooth in your car, and you can listen to the podcast on your way to work. It's only the length of this radio show, 27 minutes. Because we need to be to stand firm and be faithful in the midst of demonic attacks. Because it's easy to run. Oh, it's easy to cut and run. You know that? The easy way out is always the easy way out. It is. But it's not the right way out. What's the right way out? Stand firm. Resist the devil, 
stand firm. And after having done all to resist, keep standing firm. Don't let the demonic waves of life knock you over. Ever go to the beach and you stand out there and the big waves bowl you over? You try to stand strong and they take you down. Satan's onslaught can be like that. So you got to dig in. You dig into the scriptures. You dig in. And you say, I will not be moved. That's, what, that's your song. I will not be moved. Jesus is my Savior. I will not be moved. That's what you're saying. That's what you remind yourself of. Now, listen, we're not going to let this guy win. We're going to come back tomorrow, and we're going to see our defense against the devil. How do you fight this angel? How do you fight this demonic army? Oh, they're strong. We're not denying that. Tomorrow, our defense against the devil. We're going to learn how to fight them. So be sure to join us. And, you know, if you know anybody that's struggling in their faith, get them to tune in tomorrow, 1230. Get them to tune in because, let's face it, a lot of people are struggling with their faith. A lot. But we don't have to. And God has given us tactics to fight spiritual warfare. So let's check in tomorrow at 1230. And let's learn how to build a defense against the devil. Okay? Now, this is Wednesday, and that means tonight at New Hope we have an in-church service at 7 o'clock. And we're also online on Facebook and YouTube, newhopecc.tv. And we're going to see what Jesus said about love. What did Jesus say? You know, there's different types of love mentioned in the Bible. And we want to see what Jesus said about those types of love. And it's important because you can't love God if you can't love people. John said that. So we're going to learn how to love. So that's why you can join us tonight, 7 o'clock. We'll have a little time of worship. And then we'll get right into the, the message on what Jesus said about love. Very important. Okay? And if you can't watch it at 7, you can check it out on Facebook and YouTube later too. Anyway. All right. So listen, I want to thank everybody for coming along. If you're not a member of the Hope Club, go to newhopecc.tv. Click giving. Get on the radio. Click whatever it says there and put in your information. You'll be in the Hope Club. We'll send you devotionals every day. Have a great one and I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.